All right, Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fellowship we have in Christ. Um, God, you've done such a work in our lives, and and um, we want to continue to to grow. We want to continue to know you more. We want to continue to be more conformed to to Christ. And and Lord, we want others to know. <clears throat> God, when when um, our faith with others and and they don't receive it it breaks our heart um lord we just ask you would you bless us to to be a blessing lord for this new series i just pray that you you would equip us and um lord edify us that we might know how to act in the times in which we live we love you we ask this in jesus name amen so thanks to everyone who who showed up and helped serve at um the memorial service for Kim Clay. I think Deanna probably knew Kim better than anyone else in our class. And Deanna had another memorial service that she went to for Mike's stepdad. So we it was kind of a full day <clears throat> that regard. But we were able to really love on the family yesterday. Um, and I don't know if you noticed that TJ was in service today for those who showed up to help, if you got to see that. So that was pretty cool. That was um, one of the kids, Kim's kids was was here with us in service today. So thanks for everyone who, who showed up to, to help serve that. We are starting a new series today. Last week we did a Thanksgiving service and we looked who was bound to give thanks for the Thessalonians. And what we saw there was our endurance. Okay, that means you feel like quitting, but you don't. Humanistically, rationally speaking, you've got a thousand reasons to quit, but you don't quit. You keep going. That endurance is how we get receipts at the judgment seat of Christ that showed you bought a field that you really believed because you, you could have quit and you didn't. Why didn't you quit? Well, because I really believed. And so you end up with scars and tears and poverty and years and prayers. And, and just over time, we we get that. And so that that is thankworthy. So thank you all for not quitting. You could have quit. Your family says you should have quit. Friends are like, why don't you just quit? And you, you haven't quit. Like, thank you. So thankful to God for y'all because you didn't quit. <clears throat> I'm not going to quit either. So let's keep, let's just keep going. All right. Our, our new series, there's a verse. Look at first Chronicles, find first Chronicles in your Bible. First Chronicles chapter 12. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, we read about the children of Issachar. And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. And, and that's the first half. That's, that's just what I wanted to point out was there was a group of men who were described by God as men who understood the times. and because of that, they, they knew what Israel ought to do. Okay, so sometimes you don't know what to do because you don't know what time it is. Like, 
Hey, is it lunchtime yet? Because if it is, I know what to do. I'm going to eat lunch. Is it bedtime yet? Because if it is, I know what to do. It, it, I'm going to go to bed. But sometimes people don't know what to do because they don't know what time it is. They don't know what season they're in. And these men of Issachar, they had understanding of the times. And so they knew. And, and that's what we want to be as people who know the times. And that gives us insight into what we should do. And so <clears throat> what we're going to be looking at in this series, it's called Israel God's. No, just stay. Stay here for a minute. Israel, God's timepiece. Okay. So, so God has a clock. Did you know that? Like God set up time. Look at, look at Genesis. We'll spend just, we'll flip around here a little bit. Genesis chapter one. And God set up the firmament. Let's see. Uh, well, well, we'll just, we'll go to verse 14. God had the firmament set up. The firmament is the space between the waters. So there's a bunch of water in Genesis, and God separates the water from the water. Okay? The water is above, and the water is below. The space in between those waters is called the firmament. We call it space. It's a vacuum because, you know, space is a vacuum, right? It's a vacuum because that's what you get when you take water and you into two different parts. And so in the firmament, verse 14, God said, let there be lights to divide day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons for days and for years. In the beginning of the book, it says in the beginning. So God established time and he gave us the sun and the moon and the stars for days and seasons so that we can count time. So, so one day, that's the sun rises and then the sun sets and the earth is spinning. We know how all that works, but that's how we measure our days. And we have to measure days because God established time and time passes. And so we have to be able to count that time. And so God set up kind of a celestial clock, if you will. Um, now flip over to, to Matthew chapter 24. So Jesus and his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, they're at the full. Showing Jesus some stuff, which is just funny to me. Like, Jesus, have you seen a building? It's like, eh, I kind of created all heaven and earth. But yeah, go ahead and show me, you know, a building. And uh, anyway, so he's he's talking. And, and then in verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, that talking about the tearing down of the, the temple, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Okay, wait a minute. We saw the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we saw he set up his clock. And he gave us day and night and the light and the sun and the 
all this stuff to measure time. And now in, in Matthew 24, his disciples were like, tell us about the end. Tell us about the end, you know, the, the end of this thing that you started. And so we have a, 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 a timeline that had a beginning and that's going to have an end. And, and so I want to spend a little time looking at Matthew chapter 24 because because the things that are described when, when to answer their question, like what about the end, Jesus gives them answers. Now, the church is nowhere in Matthew chapter 24, by the way. Okay, but we do see some things that are going to happen before the end. Things that Jesus said, these are going to be signs. These will be signs of thy coming, signs of the end of the world. That was the question. They're like, hey, give us a sign. And then what are the signs of, uh, okay, so so here's the signs. Okay, so so let's go to the next, uh, next uh, some of the signs that Jesus gave were reading about yesterday, last week, last month. Our current headlines in the news tend to be the same thing that Jesus says, here's the signs of my coming. Okay, so let's look, look at verses uh, 6 here, uh, Matthew chapter 24. Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Okay, do we see any of that happening in our world today? Yes, we do. Okay, next slide for me. Okay, so this was from uh, this morning, Fox News, talking about Israel targets with airstrikes after the ceasefire, Hamas collapses. Okay, Israel is bombarding the southern Gaza Strip with airstrikes, artillery shells after a week-long truth. Okay, so, so we know about that. That's really what triggered us doing this series. Is Israel in the news today? Okay, so you can't go to your news station and, and miss the fact that there's currently war in the Middle East. Kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, wars and wars of wars. Let's go on. Ah, look at this. This is from yesterday on CNN. Russia to boost the size of their army by 15% to 1.32 million soldiers. Russian President Vladimir Putin has ordered the country's military to increase its number of troops by 100,000 as Moscow's war in Ukraine enters its 22nd month. The increase would take the overall number of Russian military personnel to more than 2.2 million, including 1.32 million troops, according to the decree published by the Kremlin. So, so the reason, uh, Putin says, is because of the ongoing war with Ukraine and also the threats to Russia that are coming from NATO, who's, who's kind of flexing a little bit on them. Okay, so Russia's going to respond by ramping up preparing for another war we hear of rumors of war with china and taiwan we have iran we have turkey you know you, you heard that turkey is now saying we're they're gonna be a part of eradicating 
come out? Turkey's been on the fence. Are they going to go west and join the west? Or are they going to are they going to be like more Muslim? And and it looks like they're going the wrong way on that. We have wars and rumors of wars. The next slide shows us actually all the different conflicts that are ongoing in the world right now. Okay, so obviously. The ones that command our attention are Ukraine and the Hamas-Israel war going on right now. But all over, we have kingdoms against kingdoms and nations against nations and factions against factions. In all these different places, there's, there's tribal or civil war or I think maybe the one in Mexico they're calling a, a like a gang war, like cartels fighting each other or something. But all these currently are being major military conflicts in the in the world right now so we've got wars and rumors of wars um matthew 24 goes on it says um, there shall be famines pestilences earthquakes in diverse places okay well we got some of that let's go on this is a press release from november 16th a couple weeks ago from the world food program Gaza faces widespread hunger as food systems collapse. So, so they are, are predicting that Hamas is going to have people malnourished and starving. Um, this has been so widespread and central and, and, and like the Horn of Africa that we, it almost doesn't even hit the radar anymore. But go to the next slide. This is from 2019. Now, they do have more recent data but but this one really i like the way it really projects these things but as of 2019 there's 135 million people who are in acute food crisis so they're malnourished they don't have enough to eat and a lot of it is centered right right in here there's been just bad drought and that's continued when christina and i were in nairobi they're just there's not enough food you know somalia is right there there's not enough food and uh, there are malnourished babies being born to malnourished moms and just very little chance of surviving uh, because of famines around the world. And it's due to political unrest. It's due to drought. It's due to supply chain issues. It's due to corruption. There's a lot of different causes, but there's famines all over the world right now. It's in the news. Pestilence. We've heard a little bit about pestilence lately. Okay, go to the next slide for me. This was uh, November 26th. This was last week. China says the surge in respiratory illnesses is caused by flu and other unknown pathogens. Okay, so China is accusing the U.S. right now of not taking our current seriously. So mycoplasma pneumonia is going around, walking pneumonia is going around, RSV is going around, influenza is going around, covid you know, strain X, whatever is now go. There's a lot of things going around right now, but I would say since 2020, there's been so much pestilence COVID in the news. It's just, we're all burnt out. Like, I don't care. I'd rather get pneumonia and die than to have to listen to another, like, like put on a mask and, and go like isolate. Like, it's just, it's been nothing but pestilence in the news. It seems like. Uh, the verse goes on. Look, Matthew 24, uh, verse 7. Earthquakes in diverse places. Okay, so 
This was yesterday. Harrowing videos capture a moment a mass earthquake hits the Philippines. So that was Newsweek. And so our news headlines are basically wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famine, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places, and sports. <laughs> Sports. And this year it's going to be politics, right? Because it's an election year in the U.S. So for us, it's going to be politics. But that's all we have in our news is like the things out of Matthew chapter 24 and sports and politics. I find it very interesting. Okay. There shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. Okay. Interesting. How could you possibly know about earthquakes in diverse places? Oh, the internet. When Matthew chapter 24 was written, was there an internet? Interesting, isn't it? For this fulfillment, for this prophecy to be fulfilled, that the people would be hearing about earthquakes in diverse places, there has to be something like the internet in place to make that possible. So, the, the, okay, so God has a clock. There, are, there is an end, and there are signs of the end, and there are signs of his coming. That is the context of what's being covered in Matthew chapter 24. If you continue through this, there's a lot of things that are true socially. Verses 10, 11, uh, or we'll, we'll start in, in verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. They shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Okay, okay, wait a minute. Are we seeing? Okay, the church is not in Matthew 24. Okay, this is talking about the nation of Israel. Are we seeing any hatred toward the nation of Israel right now anywhere? Has that been in? Yes. Okay, next slide. Hamas uses Western morality as a weapon against Israel. This is from two weeks ago in Newsweek. Okay, so what Hamas will do, they are a terrorist organization, okay? They will launch attacks, and then they go hide in the basement of the children's hospital. Israel, in response, will say, hey, listen, civilians, you need to leave this area. We're going to bomb the terrorists. Okay, Hamas won't let them leave. Israel bombs the terrorists, and then, and then the terrorists get it on video, and they put it out to the whole world, appealing to Western morality. And they use Western morality as a weapon against Israel. Okay, Israel's so bad, they bombed a children's hospital. Well, they, they bombed terrorists hiding in the basement of a children's hospital, okay? And what did Hamas do to warrant that? Yeah, someone breaks into my house and puts my baby in the oven while they do stuff to my wife as, as that baby burns. Like, I'm mad. I'm not going to be nice after that. Someone comes in and rapes and kills and gets it all on video. 
tortures families together, ties them up back to back and tortures them one at a time to where they can't help each other. Okay, that warrants a response. Okay, but what Hamas, the way they do it is genius. Okay, so so go to the next slide for me. Oh, oh I'm sorry, go back. Um, Hamas says, we love death as much as you love life. In the book of Isaiah, God condemns the people who say we choose death over life and and they use lies to hide what they're really doing. That's a description of what Hamas is doing. Okay, next verse. U.S. anti-Semitic incidences up about 400% since the Israel-Hamas war began. Okay, so this was this was October 25th. Okay, so it's it's been just a minute, but this was about what, just a couple weeks after this war started, when Israel is responding, okay, I don't think they'd even done the ground invasion yet, okay? Anti-Semitic incidents is up 400%. Because someone broke into their country and attacked them, now, why, why would anti-Semitic attacks be up 400% when someone just gets attacked? If, if I get hugged and beat up, and then now all of a sudden start attacking me, I'd be like, wait. You're like, yeah, you tried to fight back. I think you, you overreacted. You kicked the guy in, in the leg, and he has a bruise. I'd be like, what? I got attacked. I'm the victim here. What? Okay. Matthew chapter 24. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. The only friend Israel has in the world are evangelical Christians. Verse 10 says, many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And that, if that doesn't describe the times we live in, you can't say anything without offending somebody. You know, I bet you in your family, you got people who, who would be willing to betray one another. I got a brother. He won't talk to me. He's my brother. Well, yeah, I guess there's problems there division there our time the verse 12 says because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold and if you continue on through this passage you see signs of of the end times we see we see what's going to happen in the time of tribulation we get directed to daniel chapter 9 which we're going to spend some time in daniel chapter 9 in this series but it talks a lot about the, the return of Christ. But I want to jump ahead. We don't have time to do all this because, um, because I, I want to look at verse 32. The context is what, what are the signs of your coming? What are the signs of the end? And Jesus says, now, learn the parable of the fig tree. So just is this a complete change in subject matter? No, it's a parable. So in a parable, one thing stands for another. And there's a lesson that's being taught there. Okay, so we have this parable of the fig tree. 
When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that the summer is nigh, near. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And so, so, so this is interesting here. So we're looking at, we're in Matthew chapter 24. Okay, and the context is the end time. So we have Jesus and his disciples. I'll put beards on them because they're all men there. Okay, and they're talking and they're, they're, they're looking at the end times, right? That's what they're talking about. And then Jesus says, let me tell you about this fig tree. Okay. So I'm going to draw the fig tree. Kind of. All right. Now, what most people agree that, that, that this parable is about is that this fig tree actually is the land of Israel. So if we're going to draw the nation of Israel, like here's the Mediterranean Sea, and then the, the nation of Israel is like this on the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, so this is Israel. Now, for that fig tree to represent Israel, and this would be Israel nationally. All right, now we get that by comparing Scripture with Scripture. So, figuratively, I'm sorry, the, not figuratively, the fig tree is Israel nationally. Okay, the olive tree, that's Israel uh, religiously. Okay, did anyone read? I, uh, Romans chapter 11. All right, in Romans chapter 11, what is Israel likened to? Keith? Dead branches of what? Yeah, yeah, it's an olive tree. The church was grafted into the olive tree. The other branches were cut off, but then they're grafted back in this time. And then we also have the vine, like the grape vine, which would be Israel spiritually. All right, so we've got some verses we can look at. Um, Hosea chapter 9, verse 10, for example. Hosea is the first of the minor prophets. Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. There's your vine. Okay, so Hosea 9, 10. I found uh, Israel as grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree. Okay, so I, I see Israel as grapes. I see Israel as a fig tree. Jeremiah, flip over to Jeremiah.
Jeremiah chapter 8. <clears throat> Verse 5. Or uh, go to, yeah, so so we're talking, verse 5, we're talking about the people of Jerusalem, just for some context. And look at verse 13. I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs. Three. Again, over and over. Ver, uh, Jeremiah 24. The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord, after that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, uh, had carried away captive Jeconia. And, and so, so the nation of Israel is being carried away, and they're likened unto uh, the good figs and to the bad figs. So if you read all the way through this, in verse 5, we see that the good figs are the people that were carried away, and the bad figs are the other figs. But basically, again, God is seeing the nation as as fit a thirteen Jeremiah twenty four, and we've got we've got more places. Um, the olive tree we said was you can see that in Romans chapter eleven. So the nation of Israel is likened unto tree nationally and these these other things now <clears throat> in matthew go back to matthew chapter 24 because what we see in that passage the context is the timing the timing of the end okay and what we're given is a sequence we're given like some things that are going to happen but but the here it is. You guys look at this. Look at the passage. Verse 33. When you see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Okay. So there is a, this is the time frame that we're given. So if the fig tree is Israel nationally. When did Israel become a nation again? Okay. May 1948. Okay. What happened was, and we're going to study this in this series, looking at Ezekiel chapter 37. But what we're going to see was that through Zionism in the late 1800s, early 1900s, Okay, through the Balfour Resolution, okay, through Israel becoming a nation again in 1948. Now Jerusalem is under control of Israel. That happened in 1967 in the Six-Day War. They're speaking Hebrew in the land, and the land is blooming. The land is blossoming. Okay, they have one of the most sophisticated a mighty military in the world, okay? Medicines that are being made nowhere else in the world are being produced in Israel. They're now exporting different things. This little piece of dirt, which was just a rocky wilderness, is now blooming and blossoming. And all this started when nation, with, uh, 
they became a nation again in 1948. Now, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. We skipped over the part in Matthew 24 where Christ returns. But in Matthew 24, we read about the return of Christ. And so the question is this. Okay, let's say this is May 1948. What we have until the return of Christ, okay, is one generation, this generation. You guys see that in Matthew chapter 24? Okay, this is the second coming. This is Christ coming back. So we're going to put a crown on his head and a scepter in his hand. Christ is coming back. Now, the seven years preceding this is what? The great tribulation. For, well, the, the tribulation. The great tribulation is the last three and a half years. <clears throat> now, timing is not dependent upon the things that are happening to the Gentiles. The timing on God's clock is dependent upon the nation of Israel. Here's how we know we're in the end times. You ready? Because Israel is a nation again. Because the fig tree, not Israel spiritually, okay, replacement theology guy. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about religiously. Nationally, Israel became a nation again in 1948. This generation shall not pass till all of these things be fulfilled. Okay, now here's, so what's a generation? 70 or 80 years? Okay, so is a generation 70 or 80 years? Right, Psalms tells us, that's, uh, that's Psalm 90 verse 10. Psalm 90, verse 10 says, you got 70 years, maybe 80 by reason of strength, but count your days, <laughs> okay? So is a generation 70 or 80 years? Okay, well, 1948 plus 80 years is what? 2028. That's five years. That means the Great Tribulation started a year or two ago. Okay, now, if God's just being like, well, 80-ish years, and we don't use, like, you know. Genesis chapter 15, God tells uh, Moses, the, the, the nation of Israel, uh, he, he's speaking prophetically, and he says, yeah, the nation's be in captivity in Egypt for four generations. Well, that would make a that would make a generation about a hundred years. Okay, according to Genesis 15. But at 2048, that means we have time to go on vacation this year. Like okay. Like, okay, I'll get serious next year. I'll go on vacation this year. Okay. Or, like, if you study the word generation in your Bible, what you're going to find is, is things like this. These are the generations of Noah. It'll out his kids, like one generation. So Noah had 
you know, Shem and Shem had this guy. And then the it just it's the next level on the family tree, the next level of kids. It'd be like your your peers, like the people who are like this Gen Z. Oh yeah, we're the people that were born in whatever age they were born in. And so a generation would just be like the lifespan of that next layer of kids, right? Which that's what makes the most sense to me. Is that this is actually talking about like the next the next group to come along to be born. And so if we use that as our definition, then the people that were born in 1948 would be the generation who will not pass away before this happens. And so that gives us some space. Now, it doesn't say it's going to happen in that year. Like, in other words, it's not like as soon as that last person dies, that's when it has to reach. It's just these things won't, like, all these things are going to happen before that last person in that generation dies. Does this make sense? Okay, so, so what we see, let's go to the next slide here. What we see here is that from the parable of the fig tree is that Israel nationally, okay, that's God's timepiece. So what Israel does, what happens to Israel is what we can look at. So God's got a clock, but it's like Israel's the watch. Like, like this is what I'm going to be looking at, okay, in order to see. And so right now, Israel's at war, okay? We're seeing all the signs of the end in newspaper headlines every day. All right, so so why do we need to know this? Okay, we, we why do we need to watch? Why do we need to be ready? Well, well, here's why. Um, we can know when to sprint. Okay, next slide for me. Can know when to sprint. If you're running a race, I'm not saying you're jogging. You're going out jogging. Okay, this is like race day. Okay, and you're actually you care. Like you want to win the race with me so far. Okay. And you see the finish line. Okay. What do you do when you see the finish line? It's time to sprint. I'm not saving it anymore because I see the finish line. Okay. And it's like, I don't have to, don't have to like try to maintain a, no, no, I'm just, uh, I, I only have, like, it's two blocks away. I just, I have to get there. Or when, when you're running track, you come around that last bend, and, and now you see the finish line. That's when you, you kick it in. You give it all you got because your time, like, it's almost up. I asked Scott Growth one time because he did Iron Man. I'm like, how, how do you, like, like, he, you went pretty fast. I'm, I'm, I'm signed up to do a half Iron Man. So I'm getting advice from Scott. And I'm like, what's your, like, he said, <clears throat> it's really bad. He goes, it's just suffering. And I knew the sooner I was done, the sooner I was done suffering. So I'm just going to go as fast as possible to end the suffering sooner. I'm like, that's not inspiring at all. That just makes it harder. Yeah. 
But there's a time to sprint. And so we get verses like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Okay? And so much more as you see the day approaching. Like as, as you see the day approaching, it becomes like it's time to sprint. If the day is approaching, that ought to affect how we live our lives. Okay, number two, so we can prepare for the coming judgment. Turn to Second Peter in your Bibles. In Second Peter, verse three, uh, chapter three, verses nine, starts in nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burnt up, seen. That all these things shall be resolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting, sprinting, running, hurrying unto the coming of the day of God, where in the heavens being on. Okay, so so I didn't get to hear the message today. There was a medical thing I got called out for. But from hearing some of you talk, it sounds kind of like maybe that was part of what was preached today was preparing in the time that we have left for the judgments to coming and and if you know it's coming soon there's a deadline okay because you know you didn't write that paper in school until like a few hours before the deadline you know you don't get that project at work turned in until the deadline's the next day why well because a deadline it just makes you focus you're out of time you can't dilly-dally and fiddle-fart to get it done because the deadline's coming. And if we have a deadline coming, you can't tell, tell Jesus, like, the dog ate my homework. No, like, you knew there was. Like, it's an open book test. We Okay, if we know it's coming, we can prepare for it. And then the last thing, we can be confident. Okay. Uh, Romans 13, 11 through 14. Knowing the time. I know it. I'm not guessing. I know my Bible. I know how to rightly divide it. I've studied it. I know the end times. I know where we're at. I have understanding like the men of Issachar, and I know how to behave in the time in which I live. I know what the church should be doing. I know what my family should be doing. I know what I should be doing. I know the time. Wake up. It's nearer than when you first believed. Wake up. Look at the headlines. Study your Bible. That's what we want to do. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Okay, and, and it goes on. But basically now, as we see that day of coming, like you know it's coming. At the end of this series, my goal is that you won't just know it personally. You won't just be motivated to live right. You will be able to open this book. And go to Daniel chapter 9, to go to Ezekiel chapter 37, go to Romans chapter 11, and say, Thus saith the Lord, I understand the times 
in which I live. That's what we're going to do in this series. And so the way it's going to work is, is the schedule for this series is, is we're going to look at the Bible events that have been told. And then in, on December 17th, put them in the right sequence according to the word of God with one passage in Daniel chapter 9. And you can write in your margins, okay, the right sequence of events. And that can be a place that you can go to when you open up your Bible and have the right sequence of events. Then we're going to study Ezekiel chapter, like we're going to take a break for Christmas and New Year's. And then, and then Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to look at how God put the nation of Israel back together again, like the Valley of Dry Bones. Finally, in January 14th, now that you got the big picture, now that you got your handle on the book, we're going to look at current events in Israel and then know our last week how to respond to the times in which we live. That's the Israel series. That's the plan. And that's what we're going to trust God for. So let's do this. Let's take a few minutes here in small groups. Make sure you're, if you have a need, if you have a burden, make sure that gets discussed. But we've got about 12 minutes before we before we dismiss and just listen just dismiss in your small groups if you have kids kid town you got to go got to go pick them up otherwise feel free to stay and and visit and pray make sure that that um if you didn't get a chance make sure you pray for those things that were covered um at the beginning during the announcements but let's pray and just ask god for his blessing upon this series can we do that all right, so Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we thank you for your word. Uh, we want to be like the men of Issachar. We want to understand the times in which we live. And God, we're willing to open the book and we're willing to study and we're willing to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But God, we need your, we need your help for that. We can't do it in the strength of our flesh. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by intellect. It's not by hard work. And God, it might take some of those things, but only if you work in and through us can we come to, to the right conclusions. We want to have the mind of Christ. We want your to govern our thinking. So, Father, we just ask you uh, on behalf of, of even the living well class, the people who can't be here because they're serving or sick or something. God, would you work in our hearts and minds and would you show us what we need to see to live? rightly in the times in which we live. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.